Lord, through this uh, shadow that's dark and this valley that's deep, uh, we have light and we have hope. It's not found in ourselves. It's not found in something that's within us. It's found outside of us in you. So Lord, I pray that today that we would truly uh, open our ears, that we would hear what you have to say, but that we would not only open our ears, but that your word would pass from our ear to our heart. Lord, that you would convict us of sin, that we would uh, be humbled through your word today, and then that we would trust, that we would trust in Jesus alone, that we would trust in your one and only Son, who went to the cross, who rose again for our salvation. So Lord, we thank you that you are merciful and gracious, that you are slow to anger, and that you are abounding in steadfast love towards us. So we do pray that your word would impact our lives. Lord, that you would teach us once again of the fruit of the Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit is love and is joy and peace, and now this week, patience. Teach us, Lord, to be patient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So glad that you're here today. We welcome you here to Maple Park Church. Uh, Maple Park Church really is a congregation that seeks uh, to point people and to proclaim uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our goal to point you to Jesus, not to ourselves, not to uh, the things that we have going on here. We hope that everything that, that's happening here at Maple Park would ultimately point us to Jesus because it's in Jesus, it's in him alone, that we find our hope and we find our strength and we find our peace. So it's my prayer that we would all today, once again, encounter Jesus in his word. There's so many things happening in your life. So many things are going on in your life today. Uh, some things aren't, aren't very easy. Some things are difficult and, and even painful for you. And this is why we need Jesus. There are things happening within our community. There are, are families who are, are grieving within our community today our desire that we would point them also to Jesus. So we want Christ to be at the center, and as Christ is at the center of our lives, through the preaching and the proclamation of God's Word, the Holy Spirit comes in, and the Holy Spirit begins to do a work inside of us. And the work that Jesus does inside of us isn't an emotionalism, it's, it's not a it's, it's not um, this ecstatic thing necessarily, although we can experience his peace and his joy, and we can experience excitement in the Holy Spirit. But really what the Bible tells us and teaches us about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life, he desires to, to work a change within us. And the change that he works within us uh, is, is described as fruit by 
the Apostle Paul in the letter that he penned to the Galatians. You see, a healthy plant will produce fruit. A healthy Christian will produce fruit. A healthy garden will produce fruit. A healthy church will produce fruit. The Apostle Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Love. I was thinking that, that if we, if there's no love, then there's no joy. And if there's no love, there's, there's no peace. And if there's no love, there's no patience. <laughs> patience. Who here likes to have patience? I tell my kids, nobody wants to have patience, but it's something we all have to have. Each and every one of us need to have patience. So today we come to the topic of patience. And patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit because patience is a key, it's a key attribute or a key characteristic of God. So think of it. Patience is a key attribute or a key characteristic of God. I am so grateful that God is patient. He's patient with me and he's patient with you. Psalm 103.8. Psalm 103.8 says that the Lord is merciful and gracious. He is, and we can say praise God to this, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Slow to anger. He is patient with us. You see, God isn't obligated to be patient with you or me. He's not obligated to be patient with me. You see, God has every right to let loose and to pour out his wrath upon me. Because I'm a sinner. I sin against him in thought, word, and deed. Because of that, I deserve both his, temp his uh, temporal and eternal punishment. You see, we are a people that deserve punishment because of our sinfulness. But God doesn't pour out his wrath upon us. 2 Peter 3, 8 and through, thir through uh, 9 says this. The Apostle Peter writes, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promises, some count slowness. But listen to this, but is patient toward you. Patience is a key characteristic of God. He is patient towards you. And he's not willing not wishing that any should perish, but that all would reach repentance. God is patient. And because God is patient with us, we are called and we are actually empowered by the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of patience within our life towards other people. But our sinful nature doesn't like to be patient. 
Our sinful nature doesn't want to wait on God. We want what, what we want now, and we want it today. And this is illustrated for us in the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 32 tells us the true story of the Israelites' patience with God. You see, God called Moses to meet with him on a mountain. And that mountain is called Mount Sinai. So God called to Moses to go up onto the mountain. And Moses must have been up on the mountain for a long, long time because the Israelites grew impatient. Now this hap happened before what occurred in Genesis chapter 20. In Genesis chapter 20, God gave to the Israelites the Ten Commandments. So before Moses went up on the mountain for a long time, God had given to the Israelites his commandments. And the commandments say that you're not to worship any other god, and that you're not to make a graven image. And the Israelites heard that voice. They heard the voice of God, and they heard the law of God, and, and it filled them with fear and terror in Exodus chapter 20. And then Moses went up on the mountain. He was on the mountain a long time. The Israelites became impatient. So we go today to Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So they go to their spiritual leader. Now remember that Aaron is a priest. He's to be leading the people as a spiritual leader into truth. So they go with this request. And look at Aaron's response in verse 2. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in your ears, in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands. And listen to this. And fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are our gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar above it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, This is Aaron speaking. Tomorrow shall be a feast. To the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. God had already, in Exodus 20, given to the Israelites the commandments that you shall not worship any other gods, nor shall you make any graven images or worship those graven images. Here in Exodus chapter 32, because they were impatient, they didn't know where Moses had been. They went to their spiritual leader, and he fashioned with an engraving tool a golden calf, built an altar, and led the people in idolatry. Here's the point. Impatience with God's timing will lead to sinful choices. Impatience with God's timing will lead to sinful choices. 
I don't always like the circumstances that God has placed me in or the circumstances that God has allowed me to be in. I want out of the painful circumstance today. And sometimes rather than being prayerfully patient, I'll try to make things happen in my own way without God. Which is no different than, than what the Israelites did in making a god for themselves, a statue of gold, of a golden calf. God is calling us, church, he is calling us to prayerful patience. That we would be a people who wait on God's time rather than us taking the situation into our own hands and uh, trying to make things work apart from God. So I need to learn to trust in his timing. And, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say that, but, but my mode of operation is with impatience and a lack of prayerfulness. That, that seems to be my mode of operation. That rather than operating in life with patient prayerfulness, I grow impatient. I try to do things my way rather than God's way. And I think that we also do this in the church all the time. You see, God wants us to reach our community, and he wants us to reach the world with the good news of the gospel. And I'm the type of person, who, I, I want that to happen now. I want many people to come to Christ now. But I have to learn to be patient and to learn that this, that this is, is Christ's church, not my church. And he has a plan for this church. He has a future for this church. And it's according to his time, not my time and not your time. And he's going to accomplish the good things he wants to accomplish in this church when he's ready to do it. And I believe he is doing it now because the word of God is proclaimed. And we have the promise that his word, as it goes forth, will not return void. But every good and healthy thing that I've seen develop in the church took prayer and patience. Prayer and patience. For a ministry or for an outreach to become what we, what we believe it should be, it takes prayer and patience. And oftentimes what ends up happening is far better than what God had planned, than what, what we had planned, because what God had planned far exceeds what we ever envisioned. So we need a renewed commitment to prayer. When I'm trusting in God, I'm living in prayerful patience. So what's happening in your life? What circumstances are you dealing with today? What predicament are you in? Commit that to prayer. And through prayerful patience, trust in God, and begin to experience his joy and his peace. So let's be a church that just sort of gives it to God in prayer living our lives with open hands before him.
saying, Lord, this situation, this hardship, this difficulty is yours to carry. It's not mine to carry. I trust you with it and give me the patience to trust in your timing. Patience, impatience with God's timing will lead to sinful choices. But trust in God, trust in God leads, leads to this patient prayerfulness. Now imagine how things would have been different for the Israelites if they went to Aaron and said, we don't know what's become of this fellow Moses. He's been up on the mountain so long. Get up and make God's for us. Imagine if, if Aaron had said, let's commit ourselves to prayer. Let's pray for our leader. Rather than growing impatient with our leader, let's pray for our leader. And let's patiently wait on God's timing. That's what Aaron should have done. But he didn't do that. He did what's natural to us. He took the situation into his own hands. He said, give me the gold out of the earrings of your, of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters. He took an engraving tool and he fashioned a golden calf. And he said, here is your God. God is calling us to prayerful patience. So there are a number of things that I want you, I want you to write these down, and I want you to commit to praying for, commit these things to prayerful patience regarding Maple Park Church. Number one, prayerful patience in church finances. Pray uh, for our congregation's financial situation. And commit that to prayerful patience. That we would trust in God and in His timing for what we need as a congregation. The second thing that we should commit to prayerful patience as a church is in the discipleship of new believers. That God has called us to make disciples. And God has been uh, so good in bringing new people into our congregation that we would be uh, prayerful of those people. That we'd be praying for new believers. And also, please don't forget our children and our youth. Been so burdened over the last couple of weeks that we would be a congregation that prays for the children and for the teenagers and the young adults of our congregation. The world that we live in is, is a difficult place for kids these days. I think it always has been, but it seems that the problems have increased in this day and age. We'll be praying for the children and the youth that they would grow to trust in Jesus, that they would be disciples of Jesus. So pray for the discipleship of new believers, and don't forget our children and our youth. And then in the area of evangelism, pray that we would continue to be a congregation that is successful at going to our neighbor and pro proclaiming the gospel uh, to our neighbor. My prayer is that I would live a missionary lifestyle, that I would live as a missionary every day, that every day I go out, whether it's to the grocery store or to uh, some other place, that I would see that trip out of my home as a mission trip. That every trip I take into this community would be a mission trip. 
that I would see that I have opportunities to bless people with the truth of the gospel. So church finances, the discipleship of new believers, and in the area of evangelism and outreach within our congregation. Commit those things, church, to prayer. And let's patiently and joyfully and with peace in our hearts wait on God's timing. You see, we could easily fall into the same trap that the Israelites did if we're not prayerfully patient. We could actually jump ahead of what God desires to do in our midst if we're not prayerfully patient. So commit to these things. Now verse 7 of Exodus chapter 32. The Lord knows what's going on. Remember this, that, that the Lord knows all things. He knows everything. And the Lord said to Moses, as Moses was up on the mountain, he said, go down for your, for your people. Interesting pronouns here. <laughs> he doesn't want to be a part of these people. Uh, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are our gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. I don't know if, about you, but I can identify with that. I, too, am a stiff-necked person. The word in the Hebrew actually uh, kind of describes a, a, an animal. You're like a stubborn mule or a stubborn ox, a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone. God says, leave me alone, Moses, for my wrath, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. God isn't happy with the sinful choices of the Israelites. You see, sinful choices always lead to God's judgment. Sinful choices lead to God's judgment. When I'm not trusting in God and His promises, it doesn't lead to good things. The Bible tells us that the day of judgment is coming upon the earth. And I'm so grateful today that God is patient patience towards you. He's patient towards me. Not wishing that any would perish, but that all would reach repentance. But we need to be reminded, church, that one day, one day, judgment will come. And if I'm not trusting in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, I'm not trusting in what Jesus did upon the cross when he shed his blood to wash away my sins, when I'm not trusting in what he did in, in his resurrection to bestow upon me the gift of eternal life. If I'm not trusting in Jesus as my Savior, or if you're not trusting in Jesus as your Savior, know that judgment is coming. Jesus is coming again to judge the living and the dead. That's my prayer. That today, you would come to that place where you trust in Jesus as your Savior. 
You see, the only hope that you and I have before a righteous and holy God is the one who stands between me and God. And the only hope that you have is the one who stands between you and God. And that's Jesus. Jesus, who is our great mediator. The one who stands in the gap for you between a righteous and holy God and me and you being sinful people. He stands in the gap and he pleads on our behalf before the Father. We are so grateful to Jesus because he is for us and not against us. And we see here as we go on to the next verses in Exodus uh, chapter 32 verse 9 that Moses stands in the gap for the Israelites. In the same way that Jesus stands in the gap for you and I. Moses stood between a righteous and holy God and a sinful nation. And Moses pled on their behalf. He requested of God on their behalf. He appealed to God's mercy and grace. Verse 9 of Exodus chapter 32, And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Moses said, turn from your burning anger and relent from the disaster against your people. Then he says this, remember Abraham. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, to whom you made a promise to, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. He is patient and abounding in steadfast love. There's no way that I could cover in this sermon all of the deep theological questions that are raised in this account because there are many deep theological questions. I don't even think we can answer them that are raised in this account. But here's the thing that I will say. In the same way that Moses stood in the gap between an angry God and a sinful people, so Jesus stood in the gap for you and for all of humanity. He stood in the gap, hung upon a cross. And as Jesus hung upon the cross, God's wrath was poured out upon Jesus that we can be forgiven and free. You see, God has always spoken to humanity with two words. 
But two words God has always spoken to humanity. With the word of the law. And if God only spoke the word of his law to us, we'd all be in big trouble. Because each and every one of us, like the Israelites, we are guilty of breaking his law. But thanks be to God, there's a greater word. And that is the word of the gospel. And in the word of the gospel, we hear of the love and of the mercy and of the grace and of the forgiveness of God. So he always comes to us with two words, the word of his law and the word of his gospel. And so we're so grateful that here in Exodus chapter 32 that, that God demonstrated the gospel truth of his grace to the people of Israel in the same way that he demonstrates his grace to you today. Each and every one of us deserve his judgment. God has spoken a greater word, the word of forgiveness and of everlasting life. I don't live my life with patient prayerfulness. I don't trust God the way that I should. And because of that, I make sinful choices. And because of my sinful choices, I deserve God's judgment. But Jesus came to save me. Jesus came to stand in the gap between a righteous and a holy God and me. And I have the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. So Moses interceded on behalf of the Israelites. And Jesus is ever making intercession on your behalf before God the Father. And for that we can be grateful to God. Verse 15. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back, they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if we still had these? To actually see something that God's hand had engraved? When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, but Moses said, it's, it's not the sound of of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Verse 20, he took the calf that they had made burned it with fire, and ground it to powder, and scattered, this is weird, scattered it on the water, and made the people drink of it. It's like Moses is saying, now how do you, how do you like your gods now? How does your idol taste now? <laughs> and I also think we get, get a little uh, picture here of, of Moses' anger management issues. He broke the Ten Commandments. He shattered them on the ground at the foot of the mountain. Then he does these bizarre things. You know, Moses' anger got him into trouble. He was, he was banned from the Promised Land because of his anger. Verse 21, And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot, you know the people 
and they're all, they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. So they said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me. Listen to this. And I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. Probably one of the funniest verses in the Bible. Shame on Aaron. Shame on Aaron. What a poor spiritual leader he is. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and his brother so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. See, the day of judgment did come to the Israelites. Why? About 3,000 hardened their hearts and they would not repent. Church, this is sad, but where there is a lack of repentance, there is judgment. And this is why we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That people everywhere would repent. That is, have sorrow over sin. Today, do you have sorrow over your sin? Are you broken because of your sinfulness before a righteous and holy God? To repent is to have sorrow over sin and is to trust in Jesus alone for salvation. Where there's no repentance, where there's a hardness of heart, there God's judgment falls. You see, those 3,000 men, if they had not hardened their hearts, if they had repented before the Lord, they would not have died that day. And today, many people refuse to repent. One day, they will suffer that judgment that is coming upon the earth. So the big question today is this, are you living in repentance? Are you repentant today? Do you have sorrow over your sin? And are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? You know, it's easy for us as a church to point at the world and to say the world needs to repent. But where does repentance start? It starts right here me and with you. We can't judge an unbelieving world. That's God's thing. But we need to start with ourselves. We need to, to examine ourselves. We need to ask, am I walking in repentance today, sorrow over my sin, and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? And for those who, who repent, 
and trust in Jesus, there is a promise. It's Psalm 103 again. Psalm 103, 8 through 13. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That steadfast love in the Hebrew, it says chesed. This unconditional divine love. Verse 10, he does not deal with us. And oh, thank you, Lord, that you do not deal with us according to our sin, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Thank you, God, that you do not do that. <laughs> We'd be in big trouble. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, here's the great promise, so far does he remove our transgressions, it's just a, it's a synonym for sin, from us. As a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. You have sorrow over sin today? Trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ today? Today is, is the day of repentance for you. Confess your sins to the Lord. Confess your, your lack of prayerful patience before Him. And when you trust in Him, you will find mercy and you will find grace that is beautiful and that is limitless. Let's bow our heads today. I want to take a moment now of silence where you can simply do business with God. where you can confess to him Lord you have graciously invited us to bring our sins before you to bring our burdens before you to bring all the troubles of life that we experience before you to lay them at your throne of grace so that we can find we can find that grace and that mercy that we desperately need today and Lord if there's anybody in here today who has not come to that place where they are broken over their sinfulness and have begun to trust you as Savior Lord I pray that by your Holy Spirit through the power of your word that you would do that work in their hearts and in their lives today that all of us would share in the glory of your eternal kingdom. That on the day that you return to judge the living and the dead, that all of us would be able to rejoice in that day rather than to stand with terror on that day. Lord, bring salvation to those who haven't yet trusted in you, both in this room and within this community and around the world. We plead for your mercy and for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we sing the song, Be Still My Soul.